Good morning, church. <clears throat> How are we doing on this fine spring morning? Right? It's the spring, right? I'm excited about it. Hey, we're going to do something a little fun here. And uh, those of you who are watching online, you could kind of try to figure out how to join in on this. Love to be able for you to do that. But uh, how many of you guys like me that you hear a jingle, and then it gets kind of stuck in your mind, and you, even though you hate it, you just can't get rid of that jingle, right? Um, let's try some of those. <laughs> are you ready? I'm going to do the first part, see if you can do the second part. Ready? Here we go. Nationwide. See, that was good. That was easy. That was good. How about this one? Every kiss. See, this is, the, the women really got that one. It's, guys were like, say nothing. <laughs> I am stuck on Band-Aids. <laughs> see, see what I'm talking about? This is unbelievable. How about this one here? We are farmers. <laughs> There's not even words. And you've got that one. And that was pretty good, yeah. And oh, one more, one more. Like a good neighbor. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's what an effective jingle does. It gets in your head and it won't leave. It's there to remind you of something. They're made to hook to fasten whatever the product is or the idea is in your mind. It influences us. And every time we hear it, we are reminded of the related product or concept. That's why they make them that way. In fact, uh, many marketers will tell you the more uh, annoying it is, the better. And, and that's so true. In fact, some of you could probably hear the sound that Windows makes, which is just a couple of things, and you'll know that's Windows coming on. Or, or sound that Apple makes, and you'll be like, yep, that's what Apple, that's an Apple computer coming on. Because we get so used to them. But as they, annoying as they are, they work. There's not only uh, audible uh, types of, of, of things that happen, but also visual symbols. For example, how many of you get really warm in your heart when you see an American flag raised, right? And that is the symbol of patriotism, right? You're saying, man, I'm a patriot. I'm, I'm an American, right? And, you, and, and, and there's times when you get, get pretty choked up about getting, seeing that flag, right? Uh, I'll never forget in, uh, when 9-11 happened. There was a picture of a little girl, you know, having a little flag in a, and just, just brought tears to my eyes, you know? Um, and, and, and then when I moved here, I kept seeing this number 12 everywhere. I'm like, what's the number 12 all about, you know? Like, who's, who's number 12, you know? And uh, somebody was kind enough to explain it to me that uh, you guys are number 12. Right? You notice I didn't say we. <laughs> but you guys are number 12, right? Which is, I get it, that's pretty cool. You're the 12th man on the field. Get with it, man. Seahawks have been losing now lately. What's going on? Nah, just kidding. But these, these, these things remind us of things. One, one year, uh, we took the leadership, uh, we took all the leaders from one of the schools that we were uh, working with, and we took them on a retreat. And I wanted to do something a little different than we normally do on these retreats, you know, which is like lecturing or giving some kind of talk or something. 
we, we decided, look, let's do something else. We, and we did something called the quest. And with the quest, what we did is uh, my daughter and I, actually Brianna, we went a couple of days in advance to the area that we, were, that we had rented, and we, we got permission to do that. And we hid some items. And then not only did we hid the items, but we then began to work backwards from each item with a clue and another clue and another clue until the last clue ended in their little pouch that we were going to give each team. There were four teams. And so in that pouch, you had a clue, you had a rubber band, you had a mirror, and you had no idea why you had these things. You had a piece of a, of a wooden puzzle. You had no idea why this, these were there. But you were given the instruction, look, look at the first clue and go from there. And so they went to place to place to place to find these four. Each team had to find one item. And they spent most of the day finding these items. And they found all four of them. And let me tell you what the items were. The first one was a compass. I had an old bronze compass that I had bought at an antique store. And it was one of those kinds that you opened, you know, that were really kind of nice, you know. All of these items were like really nice items. And, and, and the compass uh, was later on to have part, be part of a short talk about how leaders need to have true north. Does that make sense? And how they, they, so they need to be value-driven. And we had put that uh, uh, compass hidden in a tree somewhere. Where, and, and, the, and the hint said something about 3 o'clock. Because if you went there and looked at that tree at 3 o'clock, the sun would hit it just right that it would sparkle at you. You'd be like, what is that, right? And then you'd have to find it. It was pretty cool. This is Brianna's idea. The second one was a map, and the map symbolized the fact that, that you need strategic planning if you're going to be a leader. You can't just say, well, let's see what happens. Let's just go, you know? No, you've got to chart a course. You've got to know where you're going. You have to, be, you have, to have a purpose and a destination. And we put that one, we buried that underground somewhere. And again, this team had these uh, clues that took them to one thing to another to another so until they would find the buried part where they had, and there was actually a shovel by it. You know, we kind of made it as easy as possible. Shovel here, you know. The third one was a spy scope, which represents the fact that all leaders need to have great vision. They need to be able to, to understand and see what a preferred future would look like so that they can figure out a way to use the map to get them there. Does that make sense? And we put that, we put that uh, skyscope in a boat. There was a little lake there, and we put the boat out. We had a big rope on it. We put the boat out into the lake. So the only way they could get it, if they figured it out, was to pull the rope and get that boat back in, or actually swim to the boat, you know which one guy did, and, uh, and find the skyscope. And then finally, we had one more thing. It's something we talked about at Mosaic last week. We had a quill, one of those old-fashioned quills, you know, with the feather. 
And we put that, that was really kind of cool, there was a well there. So we put it in a box and took, brought it down the well, you know, ink, ink well. I don't forget that. But. And the quill was about your, if you're going to be a great leader, you have to have <clears throat> the ability to be an individual. <clears throat> the ability to leave your signature, your mark somewhere. <clears throat> That's what leaders do. And these guys, they went through this whole process, and then they found each item, and they brought it back, and we had this amazing talk, and the talk was so much more meaningful because they had to go and find the places and because they had those images right in their hands. Does that make sense? That's what these types of symbols and metaphors do for us. These metaphors and symbols, by the way, were also powerful tools uh, that the Jewish culture used often. The Bible is full of them. They gave deeper, concrete meanings to abstract concepts. This week, we're going to look at how God used visual and emotional equivalents to the jingles, to the quest concept, in order to impress Israel with the most important message of all, and that is the Messiah was coming. And I don't want you to miss that. In fact, the title of the sermon is, It's All About Him. Everything in the Bible, by the way, is about him when you look at it really carefully. When you, when you look at every single detail, when you check it out, you say, huh, this is all about Jesus. Every part of it, it's unbelievable. Let's look at a verse, Exodus chapter 25. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 9. Uh, this is before we get to my part. I just want to go back just a little bit to give us a little background here. The Lord said to Moses... Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from me. Don't miss this part. From everyone whose, hearts, whose heart prompts them to give. Did you catch that? I don't want you to go and tell them, give me an offering and, and, and this, is, this is better be it. No. To anyone whose heart prompts them to give. Isn't that amazing? Quite honestly, whenever we are giving to God for his kingdom, that's the way it ought to be. Don't you agree? It ought to be from our heart, not because we feel this duty to pay tithes and offering. It should be because we love God, and we're, we are thankful to give back to him a little bit of, of all that he's given us. And if you don't feel that way, hey, listen, it's okay. Keep your money. I'm okay with it. I know, as a pastor, that's crazy to hear, but I'm telling you the truth. If you don't feel like this is from your heart, just keep it. That's okay. Maybe one day you will. And that's, you're welcome and enjoy, and, and you'll see how God... I'm probably making my, my treasurer really nervous right now, but just, just trust me on this one. These are the offerings, verse 3. You are to receive from, the, from them gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins, dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant, for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece that, would, that, that the uh, high priest and the priests would have to wear. Then have them... This is, this is what he says. Have them make me a sanctuary 
or a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell among them. I want to be among you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be part of who you are. I want, to be, I want you to make the sanctuary so that I can dwell among them. Do you know that when you walk in here, you're walking in the presence of God? Do you believe that? Sometimes we forget that. Because, because we don't believe in all the pomp and circumstance. And that's okay. That's a good thing. But sometimes it is important for us to say, you know, I'm walking into the sanctuary where God dwells. I'm walking into his presence. And in fact, the Bible tells us that when we pray, God loves to hear our utterance. Isn't that beautiful? God loves to hear our utterance. And, 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 and someone else once wrote in a little book called Steps to Christ that when we pray, uh, God doesn't come down to us. He takes us up to him. So when you are actually walking into the sanctuary in some amazing supernatural way, uh, if your attitude is right and your heart is right, God is taking you up to him to, the, to breathe the heavenly atmosphere. How cool is that? Make this tabernacle and all its furnishing exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now, last week, Pastor Larissa told us a little bit about Moses and God and, 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 and Moses pleading with God to not take away his presence from his people. Because the week before that, Pastor Fred told us about the incident of the golden calf and, and the whole idea that, you know, while Moses is up there getting this blueprint, while Moses is up there getting these laws, uh, Aaron's down there trying to figure out how to calm the people down, and suddenly, out of nowhere, uh, he makes a golden calf. Not a good leader, apparently a good sculptor, though. And it, you know what I love about that, uh, and I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, but what I love about that is, is that when, when Moses confronts Aaron, Remember what Aaron says? I don't know what happened, man. People were throwing golden, and then this golden calf came out. You know, like like if it was some kind of like magic thing. Wow, it's unbelievable. So Moses goes back up and returns. The Bible says that his face is radiant with the glory of God, that the people cannot even see on him. He's got new tablets of stones, a renewed covenant. He's asking for a renewed commitment and a new appeal. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, says these words, They, meaning the, the priest, the high priest, serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. The earthly priests. Remember, uh, Moses was told to do it according to the pattern. That pattern was that an exact replica of the sanctuary that was in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. You got you, you to you get some skillful people, man. You got to get this just right. This cannot be... 
This cannot be just, just you know, done halfway. You got to do this all the way. There is something about recognizing that although we want as many people to serve as possible, there is something about reaching for as much excellence as we can for God's glory. Amen? I really appreciate the amount of time. See, we, don't, we don't even realize it. You know, it just kind of happens. But the amount of time and effort that took that team back there to figure out and learn how to make sure that, that the people online can catch every second of this. And so that we can have it on, online afterwards and, and watch it all. That, that, was, that just, it wasn't like, okay, yeah, we got this, boom. No. They worked hard, and they work hard still every day to make sure that everything works. They're here way before everybody else is here. And we just kind of take it for granted, you know? We take the worship thing for granted, but they've had to practice. They've had to put together the right songs to make sure that it all fits. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for all, all that you guys do. And the voices blending and the music putting together. I, I, can, I, can t- I cannot tell you, Daryl has to put some of those tracks together himself. And, you know, that's a lot of hard work behind the scenes. That takes a lot. Why? Because we want to be as close to excellent as possible. Why? Because there's only one thing that trumps excellence, and that is love. Right? Right? Exodus 35, once again, God asks for willing gifts to make the tabernacle, not just financial resources, but also their skills. In Exodus 35, he repeats this now, that he has promised that he would stay with them. It says, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart Moved. Are you catching this again? It's like he's repeating this concept. If you're going to do this, you've got to be doing it willingly, and you've got to do it from where? From your heart. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as wave offerings to the Lord. They just came. First of all, quite honestly, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking these guys were slaves in Egypt. How did they get all this gold? Which makes me wonder, I kind of understand a little bit why Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. (laughs) They were smart, and they were getting wealthy, and they were getting powerful, but they were also, at this point, willing to let go of some of their resources for the glory of God. I'm always amazed at that. Very few things gladden the heart of a leader than than to see skillful believers use their gifts to further God's kingdom. I had a call from one of you guys. You're in the audience. I won't say who you are. Just a couple of weeks ago saying, Pastor, 
I need to do something big for God. And then he began to list all these ideas that he had. And, and I'm like, wow. Let's figure it out. I bet several of you come up to me and say, hey, I want to serve in some capacity. How can I serve? Hey, listen, trust me, there's plenty of places to serve. And we'd love to get you involved. And we'd love to teach you if you don't know. That's okay. Because love is more important than excellence. And they're sacrificing their time and energy to further the kingdom of God. Now comes one of my favorite passages in Exodus. I love this passage. This should be like the finance committee theme passage, Terry. I'm telling you right now, this is a great passage. It's found in Exodus 36, 4 through 7. And this is the kind of church that I'd love to lead. This is my kind of church right here. Ready? I know. I, 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 I say that carefully because this is a very complaining church. Not this. I mean, you know, the Israelites, right? The Israelites are complaining, complaining, you know. I don't want this. I don't want that. I'm sick of the manna, you know. We've had manna in every way or form. Fried manna, baked manna. We've had manna banana cream pie. You know, we've had manna on a stick. We had manna cotty. You know, we had manna in every possible way. And we're tired of manna, you know. And so God's got to send them stuff. And then they're like, we need water. And then God's got to send. And like, they're just complaining all the time. So I would not want to worry. I would not want to... to uh, to, to, to pastor that congregation for those reasons. But for this reason, I'm pretty psyched. This is a great moment right here for this complaining church. Exodus 36, 4 through 7. So all the skilled workers, catch this, okay, who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing. And if you know construction people, they don't do that. This is really important. And they said to Moses, the people, are you catching this, Terry? The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded to be done. And then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. Stop. No more tithe. No more offering. We got way too much. Can you imagine that? And so the people... This is, what, this is the language that it uses. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. That's the kind of church you want to be part of too, don't you? You can be. I'd love to do that. And the reason why, it says, because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. Isn't that the way God blesses? I am so tired of seeing leaders who consider finances formidable enemies. I am so tired of seeing leaders who cowered beyond this, this, this thing called money. And, and we'll use words like, you know, we need to be responsible. And sure, of course, I'm all for responsibility. But I'll tell you something else we need to be is people of faith. We need to trust God. Sometimes we need to do some big stuff and say, okay, God, you bless. We're going to do this, but you got to bless God. 
Because if we, we have to try things that if God's not in it, we would fail. Why do we attempt things that, that, are, that are, you know, that anybody can do? That? We don't need God. <laughs> and we don't even realize the language we use sometimes. Anyway, I'm getting going to get off my soapbox here for a moment. So they took the next six months to build a tabernacle. Six months. Why? Well, because they wanted to do it according to the heavenly blueprint. And everything was detailed to the last thread. Each aspect, each item was meant to awaken interest, to impress the mind by methods and rites and symbols, illuminating the most important truth of all, that one day Emmanuel, God with us, would be with us. And when it was done, let's put on that slide of the, the, the uh, encampment. Yeah. When it was done, all in different groups, all the tribes, 12 tribes of this is, you know, close to different numbers, say close to a million, two million people. This was intense. This was, this was intimidating. Now, I want you to go, uh, and I'm, I'm going to give you a bird's eye view of the, uh, of, the, of the sanctuary part right here. Right here, perfect. In the past, I've mentioned to you a book uh, entitled Mysteries Confucius Couldn't Solve. And in fact, I think I showed you uh, a, a, um, a word for righteousness in the old ancient Chinese language. I don't know how many of you remember this, but, but that word was interesting because it had uh, uh, a symbol, and the symbol was the lamb over me. And me was somebody with a knife. So the lamb over me equaled righteousness. Right? Uh, the word for boat, for example, for like big boat, was eight people in a boat. The word for warn was don't take from the tree. Pretty crazy stuff, right? This is from the ancient Chinese language. Really, really interesting stuff. But what I want to share with you today is this, that the forbidden city, right? The, 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 the city that is the forbidden city, is exactly like this. It has a gate, 
an outer court, a holy place, and a most holy place where the emperor would be. Isn't that interesting? It is amazing to me how much God has left hints all over history and all over the, the world. So then you had Jesus, the gate. And by the way, there are three successive entries. I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. Wow, you knew the farmer's only one better than that. And then in the outer court, if you look carefully, the very first thing was the altar of burn Uh, that was part of his family's uh, sheepfold, and, 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 it, and, he, and, he, and it was to be slain, and, and the blood carried to the priest. Now, this is not because God was some bloodthirsty God, by the way. And this is really important to understand. This is because God was trying to help them understand what it feels like, a little bit of what it feels like to give up something you love and sacrifice it. Because God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? That one you know. Yeah. Some years ago, for some reason, you know, we've had lots of pets, but this one sticks in my mind the most. Uh, I told you a few weeks ago about our dog, Wolfie. In fact, let, let's put the picture of Wolfie up for a moment, then we'll come back to this one. Uh, that's the... ...back to this dog. I want to remind you I'm Italian and I'm cheap. And one day, uh, somebody, somehow the dog got, ran to the, to the road and somebody was not going the 20 miles an hour that they were supposed to and they hit our dog. And our dog is in the middle of the road bleeding. The driver comes up, says, I just hit your dog, I'm so sorry, this and that. Next thing you know, I'm picking up this dog and I'm putting her uh, in a blanket and I'm taking her to the vet. And we happily spent $1,000 to do an operation on her spleen. And you know, she survived it. And she did great for years. And then one day, it was actually a registration day at the school. I'm at the school, and Brianna is at the elementary school. I think she was actually... Actually, she was, uh, um, she was registering for the first time at the academy. And uh, Nancy calls me and says, you've got to come home right away. Wolfie is bleeding everywhere. This was a Sunday. So I excused myself. We didn't tell Brianna until later because we didn't want her, because she had grown up with this, this dog, you know. And, and it was a Sunday. We couldn't find a vet. 
So we had to take, we found a, a farm vet that lived on our street. And so we took Wolfie to this farm vet. I'll never forget holding Wolfie in my hands. Until this day, the memory still, and if you've ever put uh, an animal to sleep, I think you know what, what we mean, right? And, 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 and then and, and this vet was fantastic. She was very, very gentle and gave one shot, and then I could just tell Wolfie looking at us like, this is it, huh? And then the second shot, and that was, and I'll never forget, wow. And I think about that moment, every time I think about this, how those people had to sacrifice a lamb. And I wonder how many of them really, really, really realized that that lamb pointed to the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world later on. Are you catching this? Jesus was the gate. Jesus was the lamb. And then next to that was the laver. And the laver was this place where the priest would wash before entering the tent, the holy place. Jesus says, I am the what? Water of life. When we get baptized, we get baptized all the way. Why? And get washed. Why? Because we are, we are being we are being uh, buried with Jesus and resurrected to newness of life, and we are being cleansed with all those things. And that water, that cleansing water is Jesus. Jesus tells the woman at the well, I am the water of life, and he who drinks of me shall never thirst. And so Jesus represented that water. And then when the high priest, or when the priest would go enter the holy place, on one side there was the candlesticks, the golden candlesticks. We call it the menorah. And they were part of the, uh, the, the sanctuary uh, routine of what they were doing. They would go to the candlesticks and they would light the candlesticks. And Jesus says what? I am the what? Light of the world. And then on the other side of the candlesticks was this thing that they called this, the table of showbread. And this bread there, unleavened bread right there on, on this table. And, and Jesus says what? I am the... Are you catching all this? When he comes, he begins to say, look, this is all this was to point to me coming to die for you on that cross. In fact, if you look at, let's go back, yeah. If you look at this, actually the way this is shaped, it's like a cross. See, it goes like this, and then there is the, the menorah and the, the, the showbread is, is all like the cross beam. You see what I'm talking about? pretty amazing and then right before the veil separating the most holy place and the holy place there was the golden altar of incense and this was the the go-between this was the last uh, effort of, of cleansing and being ready for the high priest once a year to go into the most holy place, which we'll talk about in a second. But it was kind of like, like the, the go-between. And Jesus says, I am the intercessor. I am the mediator between you and God. It's not a human. It's not a, uh, a human priest. It's 
It's Jesus. Amen? And then in the most holy place, which was only seen once a year, there was the Ark of the Covenant. Nancy and I have been watching this show for the past eight years entitled The Curse of Oak Island. Anybody? No? Okay. Oh, something just somebody back there did. It's, it's, a, it's on the History Channel, and it's about these two brothers, Italian brothers, by the way, um, from Canada uh, that are uh, in Nova Scotia, and they are, they are on this island that they believe is some treasure. And one of the theories is that the treasure was left there by, um, what are they called? Temple guards. Yeah. And, uh, and they think quite possibly it could be the ark or something else. And we just watch it because it's entertaining to us. Because quite honestly, in eight years, they found a coin, a cross, a couple of wooden pieces. And <laughs> we're still watching it, right? What is up with us? But that's why they do it, right? But in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. And it was powerful. And it contained, uh, among other items, the tablets of the stone that Moses brought from, from the mountain. At the core, the heart of God himself, what they called the mercy seat. Isn't that interesting? How the law and mercy all together right there in the most holy place. And there was the glory of the eternal. Once a year, the high priest, who, by the way, was also a type of Jesus, right? The high priest of Israel will leave his home with a heavy heart. It's called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And he would talk to his family. I don't know if I'm coming back. I'm not sure. I think I did everything right. I think I did everything I'm supposed to do. Is my, is my ephod on straight? We are told that priests would stay up with him, reading from the law to him so that so that he would not fall asleep, so that he would not be defiled by dreams. And when the moment of truth finally came, he took blood from the sacrifice and put it on his earlobes, on his thumbs, on his toes, and he reached for the censer, the incense, and kind of had the cloud come over him as like a last-ditch fail-safe system. I think knees sometimes are better than feet for entering the Holy of Holies. One of the things that they would do is they would tie a rope around his ankles because nobody else could enter there except for the high priest on the Day of Atonement. And if he didn't come out when he was supposed to come out, they would pull him out. They had bells around him so that they could hear that he's still in there doing something, you know.
And he reverently walks in from the holy place into the most holy place. And there, once a year, he experiences something. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 37. He enters the glory of the Father. Exodus 40, 34 through 37, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Think about this for a moment. We have nothing to, 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 to match it with. You know, when I used to, I grew up as a Catholic, and I would walk into the Catholic church. Have anybody ever been to a Catholic mass ever? And you know, when you go in, uh, one of the things you begin to immediately sense is the smell of incense. I don't know if you, if you know that during mass, right? And then there's actually a point during the mass where, where the priest is, you know, taking this thing uh, and he's doing this with it and all this smoke is... And I think they're trying to mimic. You cannot mimic the glory of God. There's no... You can't, you can't replace the glory of God, man. That's why we don't do it here, by the way. Because when God shows up, I want you to know it's God. <laughs> and by the way, little plug here. If God shows up, or when God shows up, and, and, he, and his glory is here, if you're watching at home, you're going to miss it. You want God's glory. You want to be part of it. You want to, be, you want to, you want to breathe its atmosphere. You want it to bless you. So I cannot wait. I think God's waiting. So we can all be back together again and experience his glory. Amen? The Bible says in verse 35, Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle in all the travels of Israelites. In all the travels of Israelites. Forty years. We're going to talk about this next, year, ne next week. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So they had no idea. When are we going? I don't know. When are we supposed to move on? I have no idea. Oops, right now. Let's go. The cloud lifted. Follow the cloud. Quick, put everything away. Let's go. Can you imagine this moment? As if the cloud lifts above the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory, this this amazing moment, and the Israelites know we better pack up soon here. We're moving. Everything pointed to Jesus. The gate pointed to Jesus. The sacrifice pointed to Jesus. The laver pointed to Jesus. The menorah pointed to Jesus. The table of showbread pointed to Jesus. The altar of incense pointed to Jesus. The priest pointed to Jesus. The law and the mercy seat together all point to Jesus. Jesus. Jesus and only Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Everything is about Jesus. And if you walk out of here without Jesus, you will have made the greatest blunder of your life. So as we sing this song, ask God to come into your life and fill you with his glory, with Jesus. And I believe he will. In fact, I know of it. Amen? Let's sing the song together. <clears throat>